Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And that is launched out to deep left field. Big fly for Mike Trout. This is ground ball to second base. Red Heagle falls down, picks it up, fires the first. The Angels have no hit. The Seattle Mariners. It's gone! Big fly for Anthony Rendon. Hey guys, I'm Alex Curry. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. Brandon Marsh. This is Chris Rodriguez. You're listening to the All Angels Podcast. And welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. Coming to you live Sunday night. Again, we are live uh, streaming this on our Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. So anytime you want to join in on the conversation uh, follow us on our social media, Halo underscore Haven, and we will post when we're going to do the live stream. Um, so if you have any questions, you can do it directly from uh, any of those three social media networks. Again, that's Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. So a four-game series with Seattle, high expectations, at least for myself, coming into this uh, series with Seattle. Uh, Angels playing some good ball against Oakland coming and San Francisco you know, Seattle kind of struggling a little bit. You were hoping to get three out of the four. They end up splitting the game, uh, splitting the series. So let's kind of review a little bit what happened this four-game series. Again, with Seattle in town at the Big A. First game was Thursday. Uh, Angels were up early with a Justin Upton home run in the second. With uh, And then two batters later, uh, Jared Walsh also hits a home run. So those two guys, Walsh and Upton, seem to be uh, – I guess more so Upton right now, either an all or nothing type of guy. You've seen that throughout this series that um, it, it does seem like he hits a, quite a bit of home runs in that leadoff spot, but he also seems like he strikes out quite a bit in that leadoff spot. And and uh, Sut and Gooby actually talked about a little bit about it today on the Sunday game about this. That's just who he is um, for every good thing he does as far as hit home runs or maybe a double or something like that. There's, there's going to be one or two strikeouts. And I think at this point, um, in Upton's career, that is exactly who he is, and that's exactly who the Angels should expect to see at the plate every single time, kind of an all-or-nothing type of guy. But like I mentioned, he gets him and Jerry Walsh, two individual solo shots. Longar- Longarius was in the middle. Otherwise, it would have been back-to-back, and we've seen that a couple of times with, with those two guys especially. But either way you look at it, Angels are up 2 nothing. Griffin Canning took the mound. One of those young pitchers we have been talking about for a while as far as, you know, needs some time, needs to develop, needs to kind of sooner or later turn a corner. But he is still just 25 years old and it's still a lot of time for him to develop. But you're always looking at each start as a possible step forward for Canning, for, uh, you know, Suarez, for uh, Berea, for uh, Patrick Sandoval. You're always looking for those guys to take the next step. Even if it's a baby step, still looking for them to take the next step. And with um, uh, with Griffin Griffin Canning on the mound, um, you know, he got into some trouble in the middle of the game uh, in the fourth inning. 
They end up giving up a run. They gave up a three-run home run to make it four to two Seattle. And that's honestly that's all he had. That's all they gave him to work on uh, was that fourth inning. He ends up going three and a third, six hits, four earned runs. The Mariners would add on some more in the sixth and the seventh to make it six to two. And that's how that game ended on Thursday, seven or uh, six to two. Uh, another part of this too, is the offense. When we first started talking about this team earlier in the year, uh, we kind of mentioned that we thought the offense was going to have to be the, the part of the team that really carries the angels and granted Mike Trout's not there. So the, the lineup has not been exactly what you expect, but pretty much everyone else in that lineup is, is now, is now healthy you see Rendon after his slow start. We kind of mentioned it last time when they play San Francisco in his five RBI game. But since then, he's been slowly warming up, getting hits, getting doubles. Um, you know, like I mentioned with Upton, he's kind of an all or nothing kind of guy right now. Walsh is staying consistent. Uh, Fletcher is becoming Fletcher that we knew last year, hoping that kind of sticks around. But at the same time, they are still struggling, it seems, in key situations. And that's no different um, in this game where they went – 0 for 4 with runners in scoring position and 7 left on base. So um, not exactly the winning formula when it comes to winning games is guys left on base and uh, not hitting well with runners in scoring position because uh, I think a lot of times the Angels are not purposely, but it just seems to happen that way. A lot of their home runs are with no one on base. Uh, and again, it happened this game with, with Walsh and Upton, both solo shots. So, you know, if one guy's on base ahead of those guys or, or two, it can flip this whole thing around, but something that has been a constant struggle and a constant frustration, I think for fans, especially is the inconsistency of the offense of, you know, the lineup of certain players in the lineup. Um, like we mentioned, Trout has been on the walking boot was seen kind of hanging around batting practice around angel stadium this weekend uh, came out this this weekend, Madden say there is no timetable set for Mike's return, but he did say it's more than likely going to be after the All-Star break. So you're looking at late July, maybe mid-July at, at best, but you have to hope as Angel fans, you're still kind of going to be um, somewhat in the hunt, you know, somewhat in, in the area where you can still make a strike and with these four games against Seattle, I think it would have been a perfect opportunity to do that. Now we'll talk about a little bit later about the upcoming schedule, but you know, you have Kansas city coming into town for a three game series against uh, the angels before they hit the road. But another team that started off really hot in the beginning of the year, and we saw them earlier in the year, uh, Sandoval, uh, Carlos Perez, sorry, Carlos Perez absolutely killed us uh, offensively with his bat. Uh, old man still still getting it done. So they come to town. They've been struggling. So you have to hope the Angels are able to take advantage of that team coming into town. That's a three-game series, again, at Angel Stadium starting Monday. So we go to Friday. Again, you're hoping to take three out of four. For that to happen now, you have to pretty much sweep the last three, the last part of the weekend. Um, and this was Otani Friday. Again, Otani is, is, does historical stuff, it seems, every single time he pitches or every single time he picks up a bat and hits a home run. It's the first time since this. It's the first time since that. Um, for Angel fans, I think we, you know, we really enjoy it. We love hearing about it. I just wonder about the national media, the national fans, uh, when their timelines are getting played with Otani stuff. But Otani takes the mound. 
on Friday. And again, his biggest thing with Otani, and it, it was no different in this game, is the first inning. Is the first inning getting through unscathed, getting through with you know a good pitch count. Well, in this outing, he ends up giving a home run on the second pitch of the game to J.P. Crawford, who was was absolutely killing the Angels this weekend and glad to see him go. But he gets the Mariners on the board quick with a 1-0 home run shot in the first inning. Um, in the third, the, Mar- the Mariners would go on to play a little old-school ball off Otani. They would end up getting a leadoff double, going sack bunt, and then sack fly to score another run. So now they're two up. Uh, in the third, but when they come up to bat at the bottom of the third, a guy that we just don't got done got done talking to uh, about Justin Upton does this. Justin Upton, high fly ball, deep left field, gone. Digit J up, Digit. Don't give it to So obviously Justin Upton that time with a man on base hits a two-run home run, ties the game uh, two to two. Again, that's in the third. Well, in the fourth inning, the very next inning, uh, local boy Jose Rojas was able to take advantage. Jose Rojas, here's the one-one, lifted in the air, hit pretty well out into right center field. That ball's going deep out into right center field, and that one is out of here. And that will give the Angels the lead. It's now three-two. So obviously a 3-2 uh, lead for the Angels home run. That we call it a cheapy home run. If you've been following the, the Angels long enough and been to Angel Stadium long enough, you do realize that line where it is in right field used to be at the very top of that wall above the out-of-town scoreboard into the stands. That used to be the home runs for years and years and years. And I think three or four years ago, they moved it to like the midpoint of that wall um Rojas's home runs just barely clearing it and getting hitting the out-of-town scoreboard makes it a home run benefits the Angels in this time but I'd be really interested to see going back how many times that has benefited the Angels and how many times that's hurt the Angels because I know as Angel fan um there's been countless times where I just feel like oh that should have been a double oh that should have been you know hold them to a triple or something like that when it hits that top part of the wall but Unfortunately, with the rule change a couple years ago or the, or the dimension changed a little bit with the home run, those are now home runs. And, and this time it benefits the Angels again with Jose Rojas' solo shot in the fourth inning to give the Angels the lead three to two. And pretty much after those first couple innings with Latani, he would settle down completely. He would end up going six innings, only going up four hits, two earned runs, 10 strikeouts and zero walks. And again, if you've been watching Otani long enough, you know that walk number is a huge factor when it comes to his performance out on the mound. Uh, there's been times where it seemed like he's, you know, struck out eight, but also walked eight or, or something along those lines. This time, for him to go ten strikeouts with no walks is an absolute uh, gem for Otani to be pitched this t- uh, uh, this time out. He ended up pitching only 76 pitches, which is kind of um, eye raising to me. Was kind of Odd the fact that they took him out after that inning. Um, again, he only went six innings. I thought he could have went seven. I thought he could have done more. I think this is one of those situations where it worked out for Madden, luckily. Um, but it could have very easily backfired. And I think the reasons they gave for why Otani didn't pitch into the fifth inning were kind of suspect, kind of uh vague and i just did not understand it at all but we'll get to that after this game 
So again, Otani did a great six innings. Seventh inning went fine. Eighth inning is when it really got dicey, and this when it really got um, worrisome and then exciting right after. So in the eighth inning, um, the Angels would get in trouble with Mike Myers. Uh, he would give up a double, a single, and a walk back to back to back, no outs. At this point, again, the Angels hanging on to a one-run lead. Joe Madden calls in Rasael Iglesias, the closer, to get a six-out save. And for any fan that's been watching the majority of the games this year, Rasael has kind of been an up-and-down bullpen arm so far. He has his moments where he looks absolutely untouchable. He has his moments where he looks like he could be one of the top closers in the game. And then there's sometimes, granted, most of those other times are with non-save opportunities, has been uh, getting lit up, getting hit, um, giving up easy base hit, something that you, you don't expect from a closer. But this time, coming into the eighth inning, no outs, bases loaded, your team up by one. He was able to get a quick pop-up from the very first guy he faced, and then after that, he does this. His teammate. Focus, not through it yet. The 0-2. Got him outside corner, strike three. And the bases remain loaded. So an absolutely huge, huge moment for Iglesias there. Again, going pop out, strike out, strike out to leave the bases loaded. Uh, full of Mariners in a one-run game. Absolutely huge. The question now at that point was, is he going to come out for the ninth? He does. He goes one, two, three in the ninth. The Angels win uh, three to two. Again, Rossell Iglesias definitely gets the game ball in this situation. Uh, you know, I don't know how many times as Angel fans we've seen, you know, a starting pitcher give you a good outing, especially this season, give you a good outing. Bullpen comes in because of one thing or another, ends up blowing it. Now, one of those singles from Mike Myers. It was like a swinging bunt, or it might actually have been a bunt. I don't remember, but he comes off the mound, slips, not able to feel the ball, and that's how the single happened. Now his base is loaded. So not entirely his fault, but still. Uh, Mike Meyer, a guy that I feel had been one of the stronger bullpen arms at the end of last season and the beginning of this season, has really, really struggled, and it's, it's going to be interesting to see if he finds his um, – rhythm again if he finds that sweet spot again that he had at the beginning of this season and at the end of last season because for a guy that i was hoping for to be a solid seventh eighth inning kind of guy he has absolutely struggled and has been one of the reasons this bullpen has struggled um in this season so if he gets right he can kind of again reassure that back end of the bullpen iglesias coming in getting six outs for a save is great <laughs> That's not exactly something you want to depend on every single time, especially with the bases loaded in that situation. But it worked now. It, uh, he got the save, the six-out save. Angels, again, go on to win the game. Three to two. Uh, tie the series at that point, one to one. And kind of like I was mentioned earlier about, you know, Madden taking Otani out. And I think he was, I believe Madden said something about Otani's um, – I don't know. He'd say something. He saw him tired or laboring or, or something like that. And, and his last inning and his sixth inning and 
Otani even came out after the after the game in the press conference through, I'm guessing, the interpreter. Um, also said uh, he said Otani did said his velocity was dipping and there wasn't any much wasn't as much break on his off speed stuff. So he agreed with Madden's decision to take him out. Uh, said he has to earn pitching the seventh inning, which I believe is just Otani backing his manager because I think Otani has earned that right that right right now, and he wants to talk about his velocity being down or his stuff you know, not moving as much, but if you look at his sixth inning, his last inning of work, um, he goes strikeout, strikeout swinging. So something was right there. Something went moving there and then a ground ball out. So it wasn't like he was getting lit up or even getting hit hard in that last out, last outing, uh, last inning for him. So again, it's one of those moves that I think it worked. I don't necessarily think it was going to work. I don't still don't think it's the best move, the right move, I'll try to judge it, you know, at the time, not after the fact. But Madden Angels got lucky there because it could have very easily gone sideways if uh, Iglesias makes one mistake over two innings. He makes one mistake over two innings. This game is completely different. But luckily for the Angel fans, luckily for Joe Madden, that didn't happen. Iglesias kind of saved the, the, the game on that one. But I still see it as Otani not being able to pitch the seventh was a huge factor, or at least not even trying to get out there to at least start the seventh and see what happens. Because when uh, Watson came in for the seventh inning after Otani, he had a clean one, two, three. So in my mind, I'm thinking if Otani pitches the seventh and gets out of it clean, you know, maybe he gives up a hit here, maybe he gives up a hit there, but gets out of it with no runs. Now you can pull them, have Watson in the eighth and Iglesias in the ninth. And you don't have to worry about all this, pressure all this headache all this uh bases loaded no outs situation you know you can do it the easy way but that's not how it happened it happened the way it happened again iglesias huge huge outing for the angels on friday night wins that game pretty much single-handedly holding the mariners to the bases loaded with no outs so riding that little momentum we go into saturday night alex cobb is on the mound alex cobb has been Pitching fairly well since coming back from his blister issue a few weeks back, probably about a month now. Um, but he's been pitching really, really well. And, and today or and Saturday was no different. Um, you know, after the 10 strikeout game from Otani the night before, um, I see a couple things. I heard someone say that this is the first time ever that someone has str- uh, struck out, struck out 10 in the very next day hit a home run and then i seen someone say this is the first time since like 18 you know whatever 1890 or 1930 some something way back then so i don't know which one it is either way you look at it it is historical the way otani pitches uh, gets 10 strikeout 10 strikeouts the night before and then his very first at bat of the game does this and it's not their first matchup shohei gets to know his friend and as a home run off Kikuchi, if you guys don't know the history between the two, they did play high school baseball together in Japan. Uh, Kikuchi, I think, is two years or three years older than Otani. So they weren't exactly, you know, the same grade or anything like that, or probably even ran in the same circles. But 
there is a little bit of a history there. There is a little bit um, of them knowing each other, but Otani getting up, uh, getting the Angels up early with that solo shot. Like I mentioned, Alex Cobb took the mound. He would be rolling in the first three innings. Um, all of them, for the most part, all ground balls. He got one strikeout and one flyout in those first three uh, innings, but all the rest were ground balls. Seemed to be really, really working well. Quick, decisive, gets the ball, goes. He wasn't sitting around. He wasn't shaking off Stasi. He wasn't doing any of that stuff. It seemed like he was ready to roll as soon as the ball gets into his glove. But in the fourth, uh, he got put in a tough situation, giving off a leadoff walk, which is never a good thing, which has always kind of been the bugaboo for Angels pitchers is that leadoff walk. But he would end up he would end up giving up a soft uh, soft single. It was it was barely over his head, but that tied the game up at one. But then the very next at bat ends up giving up a grand slam, which makes the score now five to one. And at this point, I think a lot of Angel fans. Kind of like when you thought with the Iglesias bases loaded situation, we've seen this story before. We have seen what happens now. You know, now it's a matter of how bad it's going to be. But Cobb settled down. He gets out of that inning. And in the very next inning, uh, Max Stassi, you know, has been on fire since he's been uh, back from the IL. And he continues that with this. High fly ball. Kelnick tracking. To the warning track, to the wall. Win, baby, win when Stassi does that. Homer for Max. So, again, that's Max Stassi getting a home run now, making it 5-2. to two. Uh, It was good to see them get back on the board the very next half inning to kind of start now chipping away at that four-run deficit that they had against Seattle. It wasn't something that sat there, and now you're in the eighth inning, ninth inning, having to make up four runs. It was good to see them start chipping away at that, you know, right away. And that's exactly what Stassi did. In the fifth inning, Fletcher comes up with uh, with a base hit and an error, but it also was a real scary moment. Kucci's got him 0-2. Oh, off his leg. Godoy! Oh, oh no. and he threw it away. And coming around to score is Ward. You say still on the ground. So obviously with that overthrow, uh, Taylor Ward came around to score to, to help the Angels get even closer. But a scary moment, obviously, if you've seen the game, I mean, you kind of hear it there if you're listening to the podcast. But uh, a, a comebacker right off Kikuchi's knee, it looked like it hit him right in the kneecap. Uh, you know, obviously there's been news, pictures in the news recently as far as, you know, comebackers. And uh, I believe there was a, a minor league pitcher for the Rays, I think for Durham Bulls, who got... Uh, a comebacker hit in the head, and and that was a scary moment. So anytime you see a comebacker like that, it always kind of makes you hold your breath, regardless if it's you know the Angels or the team they're playing. It's always a scary moment. But uh, he was he got helped off. Kikuchi got helped off. Uh, came out later that night that it was just a a bruise, a contusion. But um, I'm sure they're probably going to run more tests off of it. But it was good to at least see him. You know, you see the one that hit the Durham Bull minor league pitcher and he was out and he was, you know, um, helped off by a stretcher. It was at least good to see Kikuchi walk, you know, get help off and walk off an, off his own power, but at least be coherent and, and in the moment when he's getting uh, helped off the field. So hopefully he gets better. Hopefully it's nothing too serious. But like I mentioned, Fletcher with that single and then the air, uh, Taylor Ward comes around to score. And then the very, uh, not the very next batter, but still in the second, a couple batters later, Anthony Rendon 
uh, Knox and David Fletcher. Anthony right back through the middle. Off the glove of Walton. Here comes Fletch to score. Big chance, big hit. Anthony Rendon. So Rendon, again, getting opportunities for RBIs and cashing in on those opportunities for RBIs. Uh, that At that point, the game was 5-4. to four. The Angels are right there. Again, it only took them a couple innings to catch back up, and which is great. You never want to wait until like the eighth inning or wait until the ninth inning to try to make some of these comebacks. The fact that they were able to get these comebacks right away or get, you know, a run here or a run there right away definitely helped, uh, I think, carry the momentum from, you know, one inning to the other. And now the guys aren't really forced to, um, you know, forced to, to struggle or forced to press themselves. So uh, it was five to four at that point. The Angels finally take the lead in the sixth inning off of Taylor Ward's two-run home run. That one well struck toward that wall in left center field. Ward did it! Mom and Dad looking on. Tanner with a blast. And the Angels all the way back lead at 6-5. So again, you heard it there from Sut. 6-5, Angels take the lead, worked all the way back um, from a four-run deficit early. But after that grand slam, Alice Cobb would settle down completely. I mean, he was absolutely lights out. I think they said he retired his last 11 batters after that point. He went seven innings, three hits, five earned runs. Again, that's all in one inning. Uh, one walk, six strikeouts, 98 pitches. So it just seemed like once Cobb, and he even said it in the in the post-game press conference, if you saw the clips of it or even watched it, um, he was determined to sit there and say, we're not going to lose this game. You know, give me the ball. I'm going to keep it right here. And uh, we're not going anywhere. And that's exactly what happened with Cobb is fact that um, he, he didn't give up anything else after that. He looked completely comfortable on the mound. He had everything seem like everything was working, getting the ground balls, getting strike, getting strikeouts, defense working behind him. Um, Iglesias came up with some good plays in the game, came up with another air late in the game. But, you know, the ground ball was working. Jared Walsh had a – this was with Watson and had a great play at first base to throw back to the pitcher to get an out, um, I believe, in the eighth inning. Absolutely great, great outing by Cobb. And it's something that, again, the Angels need these kind of secondary pitchers, if you will, Cobb, um, Canning, um, you know, I don't know if Heaney's going to consider one of their secondaries, but could be considered. But one of these kind of pitchers to step up and have – really good quality games like this. And for the most part this weekend, you know, obviously you take away the canning struggles, but if you, if you look at Otani, if you look at um, Cobb, and then if you look at Sandoval on Sunday, three really good outings by starting pitchers, three really winnable games for the angels set up by the starting pitchers. And unfortunately it didn't all work out that way, but on Saturday, the angels did win a seven or 12 to five they added up. They added on some late inning um, RBI doubles and RBI singles by Juan Lagares, uh, Justin Upton, and then like a fielder's choice also by Anthony Rendon later in the game to all put this uh, pretty much in cruise control. Like I mentioned, twelve to five, Angels victory. Now they're up two to one in the series, looking for the victory, the series victory on Sunday. And when we kind of talked about this last week, or not last week, but on the last podcast. You know, Chris and I had the discussion, who would you rather have out on Sunday? Bundy, who has been struggling and might still be dealing with an ankle issue, or Patrick Sandoval, who has had a pretty good outing his last couple times 
um, and is someone that needs to develop and needs to kind of maybe be thrown the fire a little bit more than he is already been. I think the last outing he was limited to like 83, 84 pitches and maybe needs to see him um, be stretched out a little bit more. And that's kind of what happened in this game. Like I mentioned, looking for a series, uh, looking for a series win. Sandoval takes the mound. Um, a leadoff walk in the top of the first will come back around and score. So now they're down uh, 0-1 at the very first inning. Again, not that not the start you would want, um, but it didn't take long to get back tied after Justin Upton's solo shot in the first. Again, him in that leadoff spot, for whatever reason, is working. Um, someone's actually asked me that, I think, on the podcast before, or maybe just in the DMs. Uh, why do I think it's working? Honestly, I have no idea. Um, maybe it's just because he's able to jump on pitchers before they get settled in. It always seems that's the issue is that these pitchers get settled in and they seem to be doing just fine against the angels. You jump on them early before they get to that point, you know, that's when you can get some runs. And I think that might be part of the reason why Justin Upton has been really performing really well, um, in that leadoff spot getting, I think he has like four home runs in that number one spot in the first inning, which um, coming into the year, who would have thought that your most productive leadoff hitter so far this year would have been Justin Upton. So um, I'm all for it. Keep him there until he, until he, until you don't, he can't, I guess, but um, you know, it seems like they've had a, a, a cycle of players before this with, you know, uh, obviously Fletcher, then it seemed like Jose Rojas was there for a little bit, and then they seemed like Iglesias was there for a little bit. So maybe they found something with Upton in the, in the leadoff spot, but he has definitely been producing, uh, you know, there, and I think they're going to keep him there for a while. And like I mentioned, that uh, that shot gave it a one-to-one tie in the third inning. Uh, Seattle would get two more runs off of Sandoval, making it three-to-one. But after that, Patrick Sandoval would settle down going six innings, Five hits, three earned runs, one walk, 10 strikeouts, a really good strikeout performance, but and 101 pitches. So stretched out to uh, 101, this being his first career game over 100 pitches. So it's obvious now that he can pitch that far or that many uh, pitches. So hopefully that's something we see more of from him and more developing from Patrick Sandoval. But another great thing. Um, from Patrick and it was all over the telecast and it was all over social media right after Patrick Sandoval had 32 whiffs. So 32 swings and misses from the Seattle players uh, today, Sunday. And as of right now, that is an MLB best by I think like three or four right ahead of the Grom. So his stuff was really working. Unfortunately, he gave up those couple of those runs early in the game, but you look at it. He still held him to three runs. He still was able to get 10 strikeouts. He was able to only walk one, go six innings. Um, all things considering, I think Sandoval had a really, really good outing. You were hoping that he would be able to get his second career victory um, with that outing, and that's not exactly what happened. Uh, but going into the ninth, again, it was now two to four. Angels are in striking distance. This is exactly what you want. Two to four going to the last inning. And, and I believe you had, they had the top of the lineup. They had nine, one, and two up in that in that, in that ninth inning. But unfortunately, the bullpen could not hold it as it blows up again, um, giving up five runs um, in that one inning. And now the lead goes up from 
like I mentioned, it was two to four. Now it's two to nine. And now it makes it even harder for, you know, the angels to come back in that situation and angels crowd favorite. Keeney Middleton comes in the ninth to try to get the last three outs. At this point, I'm thinking as angel fans around social media, just angel fans in general are just hoping not to give Middleton that opportunity to get the last out of that game. And he didn't. He didn't even get one out. Angels start a rally, end up scoring three in the ninth inning, um, but still fall short nine to five. Again, um, if the bullpen does its job and holds them to that two-run deficit, those three runs, those three runs win the game for the Angels in the ninth. And again, that's Fletcher, that's um, Upton, Otani, Rendon, all doing damage in, in the front part of that lineup. Um, obviously, Fletcher's the ninth, but that but at that time he was the beginning guy, the leadoff guy in the ninth. But you know, the bullpen again, good bullpen, bad bullpen. I just, I don't know exactly how to judge how good this bullpen is when obviously they've had games where they've looked great. They've had games where they've looked lights out. They've had games where they look absolutely terrible and they couldn't get anyone out. And it's all for the most part, all the same guys, all the same Meyer, uh, Strickland, you know, Watson, uh, 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 you know, c all these guys are still the same, but for whatever reason, they cannot hold a lead or hold it to a tight, you know, tight window. And exactly what happened today on Sunday, you know, down to going to the ninth with a little bit of momentum. You like that. You have the part of the lineup you want coming up, but unfortunately they were not able to hold it. So we're going to go jump on Instagram live. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to answer your questions and any questions we've had on Instagram live. Sports culture takes take line has it all take line is a weekly podcast hosted by emmy award winner jason compression and former WNBA champ renee montgomery that's a fast-paced exploration of the nba and the world of sports and culture each week jason and renee talk about the games players conversations and issues that run both on and off the court follow now to hear take line every tuesday wherever you get your podcast You work hard and you play hard, so treat yourself and stock up for summer barbecues with Kansas City Steak Company. Visit KansasCitySteak.com and get 10% off your order and free shipping with code SD at checkout. From classic steak cuts to USDA Prime to American-style Kobe, hard-to-find specialty cuts, and more, Kansas City Steaks has everything you need to fire up the grill. They make it super easy. Each order from Kansas City Steaks is flash-frozen and delivered directly to your home. Satisfaction is guaranteed or your money back. Imagine relaxing in the backyard with family while enjoying steakhouse quality meals from Kansas City Steaks. Try their butter tender filet mignon, Kansas City strip, juicy steak burgers, all beef jumbo hot dogs, and even a complete meal combos. Bring the steakhouse to your home this summer with Kansas City Steaks. Go to KansasCitySteaks.com and get 10% off your order and free shipping with code SD. That's KansasCitySteaks.com. Promo code SD. Again, that's KansasCitySteaks.com. Promo code SD. And we are back. Again, we are streaming this live on our Facebook, our YouTube, and our Twitter. And now we are jumping on Instagram Live as well to take questions from anyone 
watching or uh, following on there. And the same thing with our YouTube people. If you want to write a question, go ahead and put it in the comments. First question on our Instagram um, says, if Cobbs continues to be consistent, do you offer him a qualifying offer? Which is a very interesting question because of the fact that you look at the rotation and how it's set up right now. The only ones that are likely going to be with the Angels next year are Canning, Sandoval, and Otani. So that leaves the three other guys who are on one-year deals or last year of their deals. Katana, which I don't think comes back. I think they tried that unless he comes back from this injury and throws lights out. I think he's done as an Angel at the end of this year. And then the last two is Cobb, Heaney, or sorry, last three, Cobb, Heaney, and um, Bundy. So I don't know. I I think, honestly, the Angels are probably only going to sign one of those three guys because you do have some young guys that are going to compete for positions, maybe two, maybe two. But I can see them signing one of these three guys to bring back, plus making an offseason acquisition for pitching. Um, but, you know, if Cobb continues to be the best pitcher out of the three, I don't see why not. Heaney's doing really well. Bundy had a really good last year, and he can always kind of turn it around. But I honestly think, you know, if Cobb is the second guy in those three, I don't think you'd give him a qualifying offer just because of the fact that those qualifying offers are pretty expensive. And now the way that baseball has been saving money here and there, um, I don't think, you know, I don't think anyone's going to come in above that qualifying offer for a one-year deal on Cobb, um, especially because it's a one-year kind of, we see him do it for one year. I don't know if a team's going to come in and, and up pay that. I think your best bet is probably if he's killing it still and the angels are out of it, he might be one of the, I think him and Bundy are two guys that if they are, are progressing and they do, they do well, but the angels for whatever reason aren't doing well around uh, the trade deadline. I think those are the two pitchers that might be gone um, for sure about playoffs as the angels stay in playoff contention who are some guys we should keep an eye on if again this is a big big if if the angels stay in playoff contention um when trout gets back and they're able to make some kind of a run and and that's we'll have to see what happens now because like i mentioned earlier kansas city comes in for three um then they go to arizona arizona is playing horrible uh, so you have a full week of games that are against teams that you you should be able to, you know, maybe drop one or two against those two teams and get on a little mini run. At the beginning of next week, you have Oakland. Oakland's always tough. But the weekend after that, Angel Stadium, full capacity, you have the Detroit Tigers. Again, another team that has been struggling. So out of the next four series, the Angels could could possibly get on a little bit of a hot streak. And if that happens, then, yeah, you're going to have to look at you know, obviously pitching, obviously I think bullpen pitching, those are the, those are the kind of guys you want to look out for if they're going to be in the buyer's market. Um, definitely thoughts on Odell. When, when will he be ready on, um, and what's his ceiling? Joe Odell, if you haven't been following AAA baseball right now, he leads AAA baseball in home runs, absolutely killing the ball. Absolutely. Offensively putting numbers up, still striking out, but kind of like I mentioned with Upton earlier, I kind of have a feeling that's going to be his game, all or nothing. But I think he'll hit enough home runs that it will kind of cancel it out to where, you know, 
Oh, he's striking out a ton, but he's hitting 30 home runs in a full season. So you kind of let that go. Um, as far as his ceiling, you know, when, when he first got drafted and he kind of started coming through the system, a lot of people kind of like, oh, is he the next Mike Trout? Is he going to take over from Mike Trout, blah, blah, blah. I didn't think that was fair. I don't think that's fair for anyone to compare, you know, anyone in, in that situation. Um, do I think he can be like a multi-all-star type of outfielder? Absolutely. Um, do I think offensively he can play with the big boys? Absolutely. You know, defensively, he's made some plays. Defensively, he's kind of gaffed at some plays. And that's something you're just hoping that he tightens up. But as far as Joe Adele, I think when he's going to be up, he's going to be ready. I think he learned a lot from that short season last year as far as preparation and just, you know, being in the big leagues. Like, I don't know how you not take anything away from that. So uh, I still think July, maybe All-Star break. After All-Star break, I kind of think around there maybe. But, you know, if he keeps on killing the ball like he is in AAA, the Angels are going to make a really, really difficult decision, hopefully soon. But, um, you know, he, he I, I don't know if necessarily if they're going to bring him up and put him in center field if Lagaris continues to struggle. Um, so the only other options you have for him are the corners. And Upton's not going to go anywhere. And Ward has his moments. Ward hasn't been doing terrible enough to where you feel like you have to pull him right away. Does he have his opportunities where he comes up flat? Yes. Does he have his moments where, um, like on Saturday, where he hits a two-run home run to take the lead? Yes. So, you know, I don't think anyone there either is doing such a bad job to where they feel they need to bring him up right away. But I think Joe Adele is going to be um, a really good addition to the team when he does come up. Um, let's see if we stay around 500, can we possibly look to as a pickup again, it's going to be pitching, but even then 500 is going to be asking a lot because I think the Astros, the A's, you know, maybe some of these other teams for the wild card spot are going to be well above 500. You're going to have to be more. So I think honestly, like a, which around five, six games out of that wild card spot or the division, whatever's, you know, smaller. We'll see how, how, it, how it goes. Adele is hot right now. Uh, I ha- I feel like we're going to call him up when he comes down to earth with the homers and we need that extra spark right now. Um, yeah. I mean, sparks are nice. It, it, they're just really hard to judge. And let's not forget too, AAA is a whole different beast than, than major league baseball. I don't know how many times we've seen guys in the angels organization for that matter, absolutely kill it in triple a absolutely destroy the ball, whether it's home runs, extra base hits, doubles, you know, whatever, but come to the majors. It's a lot different. Pete guys don't miss nearly as much as they do in triple a and struggle. So my thing with Joe, I think, He's doing great in AAA. I'm not going to take that away from him, but I think you still have to manage expectations when he does get brought up because of the fact you've seen, you know, uh, uh, Rojas. Jose Rojas is a perfect example. You look at his AAA stats for the last, like, two, three years, they are unbelievable. Do you think he should be up on the major league level without a doubt? But – a, it took him forever to get called up. He just got called this year. Now he got sent back down, and he hasn't exactly been setting the world on fire. So for some guys, it clicks from, from triple A to the major leagues. I don't know about Joe, but I think you need to kind of manage that expectation as far as if, you know, 
if if that's going to be him when he gets here, hitting all these home runs and and doing all that stuff. But definitely an exciting player. Will he bring a spark? Yeah, but I still think some of those quote unquote sparks need to be from the guys in the clubhouse right now. Um, like I mentioned before, Alex Cobb's post game interview was awesome. You know, like he kind of had that no nonsense. I'm here to do a job. I'm going to get it done. Pretty or not, it's gonna. This is what's going to be. And I think um, some players probably should follow that lead as far as don't think too much. Just go out there and do it. Go out there and you know what you do well. Just get out there and do it. I think they can do a lot by just kind of following um, Alex Cobb's uh, Alex Cobb's lead on that on that point. We have to take five of six in the next two series. No, I agree completely. Like I mentioned, they have um, they have Kansas City coming into town now, starting tomorrow. And as I pull up the schedule for for the Angels, uh, like I mentioned, Arizona has been struggling a lot. Arizona has been struggling um, quite a bit. And so they need to be able to take advantage of that uh, was it a three-game series? Yeah, it's a three-game series. So you have three games against Kansas City at home. Then you have three in the desert against Arizona. Uh, then you go up to Oakland for three. And then you come home for four against Detroit. Again, that Detroit series starts on the 17th of June, and that will be the first weekend of the full-capacity Angel Stadium. So it's interesting to see how that's going to how that's going to work and how – the atmosphere might change because, you know, if if it's a full capacity in that Iglesias eighth inning on Saturday uh, or on, sorry, on Friday, that place is probably rocking still. So uh, it's going to be cool to see the stadium in full capacity that weekend. We might be making a trip out there. Chris, I and my wife might be making a trip out there that Saturday, the 19th, to see Detroit and the Angels. Uh, we'll keep you posted on that, but it'll be great to see a lot of you guys there. And I'm sure we'll probably do some kind of um tailgate mini tailgate i don't know if we're gonna do a full-on tailgate there because i still don't know if anyone knows what their tailgate policy is going to be once they go full full capacity um dm us or email us at allangelspodcast at gmail.com because i'm interested to see i'm interested to see when that happens or if they let that happen with the with the tailgating Another question on our Instagram: How how do you utilize the money freed up from Pujols and Umpton's contracts in the future? Where and on who? Well, one of the things is obviously Pujols is going to be free at the end of this year, Upton at the end of two years. One of the things that's coming down the line that is going to hit around that time Upton comes off is Otani. So Otani has a two-year contract right now, this year and next year, but the year after that, that third year. Is his last year of arbitration, which means, if I do my math right, 2024 is free agent, or he'll be a free agent after the 2020, 2023 season. So if Otani is continuing to be this guy that is a front-of-the-line starter who is a guy who can hit 30 home runs at the DH and play almost every single day, that price tag for a guy like Otani is going to be crazy. So do you want them to spend money on big name free agents? Yeah. Do they have to be the right ones? Yes. Because when Otani becomes a free agent at the end of 2022, 
2023, sorry, at the end of 2023, because we're in 21 right now, um, you're going to have to pay him. I mean, he's possibly the MVP of the AL right now. We'll see how the season plays out. But that's going to be a huge price tag for the Angels if they want to keep him. And with Pujols and Upton both being off the books by then, you could probably sign one or two top-end guys, which is fine. Maybe it's a shortstop this offseason. Maybe it's a starting pitcher this season or next. But that Otani bill is coming, and it's going to come quick. And if those two big-time, you know, let's just say you get a top-end, one of those top-end shortstops and a top-end pitcher, if those guys don't hit and you're wasting money on those guys, now you're in a situation where you have to spend on Otani. You know, obviously health plays a lot to it, but he's shown this year so far that he can do both and he can do both on such a high level. Reed, uh, Reed Detmers needs to be watched closely. I see him as a potential three starter in the future. Keep up the great work. Truly appreciate everything you guys do. Thank you very much. Yeah. Reed Detmers is absolutely killing it. Um, it's absolutely killing it right now. And, and double a, the trash pandas, I think, uh, his last outing, 10 strikeouts, or maybe it was the last two outings, 10 strikeouts, uh, would not be surprised to see him up in triple a soon and have him finish the season in triple a, unless there's injuries. Always had to put that caveat out there, but I would not be surprised if maybe he pitches one or two more in, in double a, and it's called up to triple a and him between him, Chris Rodriguez being a serious, serious uh, contender for some open pitching spots in the rotation next year. Uh, Reed Detmers could be a potential three next year easily. Um, you know, you're looking at Otani. Let's just say they resign Heaney. Let's just say they get a front end pitcher kind of guy. He can be a three. He can be a four. But I think Reed Detmers is definitely an, uh, someone you need to look out for. Uh, in the future and he's doing great again for his first season as a professional he's done great really look forward to seeing him in triple a in ballparks that are not pitcher friendly you have a lot of higher elevations you cannot make mistakes uh but i'm really looking forward to seeing him and how he does in triple a do you think uh braxton martinez is going to be some somebody the angels should be looking forward to He's had a back-to-back. He had a back-to-back game with two home runs, and has been driving in runs. Like I said, like with any kind of any kind of prospect, it is kind of hard to judge. Um, uh, there, let me look this up because Braxton Martinez. Kind of sounds familiar, but I'm not 100% sure uh, what level he's at right now. That's what I'm trying to figure out. But anytime he's at – okay, he's at low A, Illinois Empire, third baseman, 27 years old. He's kind of a little bit older in the process to be at triple – or at sing, low low A. Um, but, I mean, look forward to as what, though, like a guy that works through the system and maybe is a uh, – Spot guy now and then, yeah. But you have Anthony Rendon playing third. You're you're set there. Um, the fact that he's hit you know back to back games with two home runs is great. Um, I'm looking at his numbers right now. Yeah, he has five home runs, 15 RBIs, batting just below 300. Um, the OPS above a thousand. So yeah, he's having a really really good year. Uh, not taking that away from him at all, but it's just one of those things where 
Um, you know, he's 28 years old or 27 years old. Sorry. And, you know, he's, he's, he's a little bit older than a lot of the guys at that level. So it's going to be a long road for him to get there. I mean, you're looking at guys like, um, uh, Jared Walsh, he's like 27, 28, but at least he's in the majors right now. This guy's at the low A, which is the lowest level of the minor league system right now. So it's going to be kind of hard for him to get there. Um, Chris Rodriguez needs to be in the rotation when he gets his stamina back. I think his stamina is back, but I think they're going to stretch him out even longer. Again, Chris Rodriguez has been super limited in innings pitch career-wise that this season they're going to stretch him out to two or three innings. I don't see him getting a starting rotation job this year, but next year he'll definitely be in the mix. Angels will be heavy in the starting pitching market this offseason. I think they will be too. I'm just not sure who they will go after because there's some names there starting pitching wise, but they're all old and they're all kind of on the downslope. And you have to really think about what they are asking for. And if it makes sense to invest that kind of money in a guy that might give you one or two good years, maybe two good years. But if it's like a three or four year, your contract, you know, do you pass on that? So it's great to be in the market for starting pitching, but as we are seeing now between major league baseball and all the teams, every team is in the market for, for starting pitching. So it's just not going to be the angels. And that's where it gets complicated. It seems we are always talking about next year. This is an old story. Well, I mean, that's what we do is guess let's talk about next year. We talked about this year right now, you know, obviously they're not exactly where they want to be or where they're looking to be in the standings right now. Cause as I look at the standings right now, the angels are seven games out of the first place Oakland A's um, again with a negative 42 run differential, two games back of Seattle for that third spot. And if you go to the wild card, you know, it's not much better. There are six games out of the last wild card spot. So, you know, ideally it would be awesome if they kind of kept it there until trout gets back and maybe get on a roll. Or like I mentioned this next couple series, three against Kansas city, three against um, Arizona. If they're able to get five out of those six and they can jump up in those standings quite a bit. So we'll see how it plays out. And granted, yes, it does seem like the same old story, but part of baseball. And I think it's different than a lot of sports is that you can actually look kind of look forward to the future a little bit more. You can look at the future and kind of see what's going to happen. You look at other sports, basketball, football, you don't know who you're going to draft in the draft. You don't know what kind of players you're going to get out of college. You don't. But at least in baseball, you can at least see that guy develop in AAA. You can at least see that guy develop in AA. So it makes talking about the future a little bit easier than other sports. So if you are, like myself, a baseball and a football fan, Football, you very rarely talk about the future because you don't know what's going to happen in the future. You don't know who you're going to have in the future on your team. In baseball, there's a very good chance you know you know, a, a handful of players that are going to come up through the system in the next two or three years that are going to be part of this team or are going to be trade parts or trade pieces for this team. So with baseball, yeah, it is kind of seems like we're always kind of talking and looking to the future. But I think baseball is truly the only sport where you can really do that and look forward to the future and look at things uh, ahead of you with guys in the minor leagues. And I think that's why it's always fun to go out and watch uh, Inland Empire and go out and watch the Salt Lake Bees or the Trash Pandas, you know, or, or the Dust Devils, a new high affiliate up in the Washington area. So, again, if you're in any of those kind of markets, go out and watch some of these minor league baseball and see these guys develop and that kind of – Gets you excited to talk about the next season. At least it does for me. 
Um, the 66ers are coming back into town, I believe, this week. I'll probably be out to try to make it out to one or two games this this week and see how that goes. Uh, again, we'll be posting stuff on Halo Haven, Halo underscore Haven on the Twitter, on Instagram when we're going to be at games and when we're going to do the podcast. But our next podcast is scheduled to drop on Thursday, record Thursday night, talk to Chris. I think we should be able to make it work it out. We'll be back at Halo Haven. Um, hopefully with good news, hopefully with a sweep, hopefully with two out of three, that would be great. Um, really interested to see Chris Rodriguez get back into a game has not been in a game yet since being activated. Maybe we see it this series and can see how he's doing coming off that, uh, shoulder injury. And hopefully he is healthy. Cause like I said, he's going to be a huge part of the, the bullpen and it sucked that you weren't able to see him at all on Sunday. I think he would have helped out a lot, but because Joe got him up Saturday and he pitched quite a bit to get warm on Saturday. He did not want to use him on Sunday with, you know, coming from an injury, I guess that makes sense, but you just hope that's not the standard all year long, because if you're going to get him up and get him hot, and if you're not going to use him the next day because of that, you might as well put him in that game. You might as well put him in on Saturday. The game was out of hand granted, but if you know, in the back of your head, you're not going to use him for Sunday. Why waste them? And I feel like that's kind of what happened right there um, with Joe on Saturday is that he wasted Chris Rodriguez. It would have been great to see him out there, but because he was up and he was up to for too long or pitched too many pitches or whatever the case may be, um, he did not use him on Sunday. And honestly, you look at it, the Angels could have used him on Sunday. Could have used him in that ninth inning to hold the game to two runs. And maybe we're talking about a three out of four game series or a three out of four uh, series win against Seattle. But that's not how it worked out. Again, I'm not the biggest Madden fan, but um, well, that's kind of what the Angels have right now, and they got to roll with it. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes going forward. But that's going to be it for this edition of the All Angels podcast. Again, we will be back Thursday night, I believe, at Halo Haven. If not, I will be here. Um, if you have any questions, comments, uh, concerns, ideas, please email us at allangelspodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's allangelspodcast at gmail.com. And then follow us on our social media. Halo underscore Haven is both on our Twitter and our Instagram. Really appreciate it. All the love we get from you guys, all the conversations we've had with some of you guys in, in the direct messages. So um, ever have anything to say, go ahead and, and, and message us. And, and always like talking about angels baseball. Um, but yeah, so definitely follow us, Halo underscore Haven on Twitter and on Instagram and All Angels Podcast at gmail.com. Any question, any comment, anytime, that's the place to reach us. And that's a pretty much a guarantee we'll get it on the, the podcast that way. Because sometimes, honestly, with direct messages and stuff like that, if two or three or four come in at a time, it kind of does get lost in the shuffle. But the guarantee you know, I guess a comment or a question on, on the podcast, definitely email us at allangelspodcast at gmail.com. All this stuff can be found on our, on our uh, bio link in our Twitter and our Instagram. So if you have any questions about how to subscribe to our YouTube, our Twitter, or any of that stuff, that's the place you go, go to our, our bio link and our, you know, Twitter, and they'll show you all the link for everything else or just, um, anything else that you guys would be interested in doing but that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the all angels podcast i am down garcia we'll see you thursday night
This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.